0: One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two
1: experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandy Egan. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll talk about fruitcakes. And I'll be talking about an obsessed girlfriend. Oh, I'm excited for yours. Is yours one of those where it's like, yeah, my ex-girlfriend, she's crazy. But it turns out she's just a normal woman and he's a dick. Hmm.
0: No, it's not that. But there are questions.
1: Okay. Okay. I, I'll, <laughs> there are I'll lots hold of my questions. There are lots of questions involved in this case. All right. All right. <laughs> I'll hold them until I hear more. <laughs> How you doing? You know. You know. Um, hanging, hanging in there. <laughs> hanging in there by a tumor, as they say. <laughs> I don't think That's anyone a says that. That's <laughs> not a saying. No. So good news is... I have my surgery scheduled for next Monday. So that is like, oh, that's such good news. Yeah, it's excellent uh, news. By the way, I saw someone complaining on Twitter about how like, you know, I know that elective surgeries are how hospitals are making their money these days. But people really need to like get a clue and not go in for blah, blah, blah. And I... I held myself back only because someone else responded and was like, "Hey, just so you know, elective surgeries—it's not all boob jobs and nose jobs, okay? Like, it's also hip replacements, yeah. knee replacements—and like, I'm I'm very, very fortunate because they discovered this tumor. And by the way, if you skip last week's episode, I talk all about my exciting tumor, and boy, is it <laughs> a good time! But um, they discovered a tumor right by my right ovary, like. I think it was a week and a half ago, but it feels like 12 years ago. Yes, <laughs> And the deal is that the OR like just opened. And so everyone who I, I assume has been in the same boat with me, we are, we're all just kind of like white knuckling through some pain yeah. and some shit and just waiting for ORs to open. But yeah, it's been a weird, not weird, weird's not the right word. It's been a scary feeling knowing that like, oh, okay, if this thing explodes in my insides, uh then that would be emergency surgery. If this right. thing like pushes on my ovary and turns it around and cuts off blood flow, then that's an emergency. But like just just being just in pain. Just the fact that it's feeling, there isn't, yeah. Yeah. Being in pain and feeling like you've got to vomit all the time, not an emergency. Not an emergency, apparently. <laughs> 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 oh, but I'm 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 really I've, uh, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm so excited for surgery. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> how do we seg- segue this into, um, a plug for our Patreon? Oh, shit. I don't know. Goodness gracious.
0: Hey, Someone guys. I was impressed with our episode last week about how we segued from tumor talk to an ad spot. So. <laughs> okay. Well, how about this? How about this? Here we go. Here we go. Hey, and they hey, mentioned guys. that in the discord.
1: Oh, oh. <laughs>
0: What the hell's a Discord? (laughs) Discord
1: is something that you can get access to just by joining our Patreon. You guys, I don't ask for much, but I am on my deathbed right now. Okay. And my request, (laughs) my dying wish is that you all join the Patreon at the $7 level, if I may. I don't make deathbed requests often because, you know... It can only happen so often but yet here i sit at the seven dollar level you get a monthly video those are really fun you get monthly bonus episodes i think we're on 10 right now 10 count them 10. 10. count them 10. you also get into the discord where we chit chat and that has been really fun and supportive lately i really appreciate it i had no idea how many people go through terrible lady troubles yeah yeah i i need a magician to just saw me in half so i can leave the lower half you know <laughs> elsewhere and just <laughs> operate with the functioning top half but anyway it's it's a ton of fun if you want to support the show we would really appreciate it by the way i'm not on my deathbed you know unless i'm dead next week because of this surgery i don't know who knows my mom <laughs> told me it wasn't funny to joke about oh no <laughs> <laughs> oh well oh, oh well, well. <laughs> Can't help how I was raised with terrible sense of humor, terrible right. dark humor. Okay, Brandy. I'm going first, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're first. Get it together. What do you got, a tumor? Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh, the insensitivity on this podcast. My gosh. I don't like the loud laughing one. The other one seems great. <laughs> that's my review of this podcast (laughs) the other one seems great okay so guys the deal is there's not a lot of court stuff in this case but I have a tumor so you can't say anything and you can't complain huge shout out just hey, just real quick are we gonna put like a limit
0: on when you get to stop using the tumor as an excuse or is that just like forever now
1: no no, there will be a limit. I'm oh, not okay. a monster. I'm okay. just checking. Although this tumor may look like a monster. <laughs> Hair and teeth. Okay. Okay. Serious question. Yeah. I want to look at the tumor. Okay. So Is I... Is it weird to ask if I can see it after they take it out? Uh, no.
0: Brandy. I don't know if they'll actually let you see it, but they might let you see a picture of it.
1: Okay. Um, I mean, I kind of want it in a jar. Yeah, I I wanted to. I
0: wanted to see my thyroid, but I forgot to ask, and so I never got to. Because my when I had my thyroid removed, it was like
1: gigantic.
0: Mm -hmm. So I wanted to Mm -hmm. see what it
1: looked like. But how big is a thyroid supposed to be? Walnut sized. How big was yours? Um,
0: bigger than a softball.
1: Oh, huge! Wow, yeah. But yeah, I mean that's that's the dark secret. If this thing has like teeth and hair and stuff, like I've got a picture in my mind, but I'd kind of like to see it. Yeah. Uh, so
0: full disclosure. Ugh, yeah. I googled it to see what it looked like to see if it was appropriate <gasps> to put in like a graphic for the pot, oh my for God, our social I media. I haven't
1: done it. Okay, hang on. I nearly Dermoid? vomited. I nearly vomited, Kristen. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Dermoid ovarian cyst. Okay. Here we go. <gasps> oh it's my horrifying. god oh my god that is disgusting it's disgusting oh my god oh oh my god <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my god i almost vomited oh my god i, I, oh. I was like
0: a cute little cartoon version
1: brandy <laughs> oh oh my god holy shit I already feel like I'm always going to vomit. That was terrible. That was like looking at a bird's nest, it's kind terrible. of, wasn't it?
0: It's disgusting. Oh,
1: that was disgusting. Maybe I don't want to see it. I don't, oh, yeah, I don't know. Jesus Christ, superstar! That was disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, okay. <laughs> That's what I've got in me. That's what's causing me all oh, this bullshit. Okay. But no, okay. So to answer the question, how long I'm going to be milking this tumor. All right. So they say recovery can take a while. They're saying, you know, like two weeks, you're kind of flat on your ass. And then, you know, just kind of depends. Yeah. So like, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll milk it for longer. I'd be like, oh, I'm still in pain. Uh, you know, <laughs> who knows? There are no rules when you've got a tumor. I've discovered. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Do you know this story that I'm about to tell you?
0: No. I saw someone shared it in our Discord, and then I intentionally did not read it because I knew you'd take it.
1: Okay. Yeah, you you saw the fluffy, fun nature of it, and you were like, no one's family gets murdered in this one, so this is not for me. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, first of all, a huge shout out to Katie Vine for her fantastic article in Texas Monthly. It's called Just Desserts. It is amazing. I highly, highly recommend you go read this because I'm giving you guys kind of like the highlights. But Katie's article, she interviewed a bunch of people anonymously, which I'm normally not into. But the fun thing about it is when you get people in a small southern town to talk anonymously about their neighbors, they say some funny shit. So, you know, I'm just telling you, it's a great article. Also, hat tip to Split P in the Discord for suggesting this case. Here we go. Very good. Brandy. Yes. Do you recall a little Netflix docu-series called Cheer? Sure do. You told me all about it, and then
0: you told me you had watched it and it had been out for one day when you told me about it. And so I I did go back and watch it and I loved it as well, but you had a very strong liking to it.
1: (laughs) First of all, I love cheerleading. I (laughs) love cheerleading. No, I was never a cheerleader. No, I have no talent for it. I just like, I think cheerleading is so cool. And so the Netflix algorithm, they've got me figured out because it was recommended to me. I think the second it dropped, I watched it immediately. And then, yeah, I remember you were like, um, how the hell did you watch that show and know to recommend it to me on the day it came out? Yes. I was like I'm a champion, Brandy, that's why. <laughs> so anyway, do you recall that Navarro College, which is the focus of that docu-series, is located in a little town called Corsicana, Texas? Sure do. Do you recall? Yes. Okay, guys, here's a deal. Corsicana is known for two things. Cheerleading? and fruitcakes. And today, I'm here to talk to you about a huge-ass scandal that took place at the Collins Street Bakery in Corsicana, Texas, a.k.a. the fruitcake capital of the world. By the way, do you like fruitcakes? No. Are there people that like fruitcake? Yeah, there's tons of people who like fruitcakes. No. Oh, I didn't mean to offend you, but (laughs) my God. (laughs) When Okay, now hold hold the phone. When was the last time you had a fruitcake? Because, you know, sometimes you, you know, you, you're like, oh, I don't like that. And it turns out you had it once when you were three years old. Um, Honestly,
0: I don't know that I've ever even tried a fruitcake. It looks there like, you go. like no you, interest to me.
1: You know. It's just got chunks of shit in it. And I, I yeah, I, I'm not interested. Brandy. What? You're like Bill O'Reilly when he says, like, a movie is terrible and anti-christian and then it turns out that he's not seen it actually you're like bill o'reilly in every way those creepy voicemails don't you've say left i'm me, like bill o'reilly
0: in every way that's yep.
1: terrible those voicemails you've left me i don't appreciate it you know you're just gonna have to masturbate on your own time lady wow. okay <laughs> <laughs> uh. so how did the collins street bakery become internationally known for its fruit cakes Okay, so the bakery opened one million years ago in 1896, (laughs) and it was pretty popular. By the early 1900s, celebrities were sighted at the bakery. And in 1914, when the Ringling Brothers Circus came to town, they stopped at the bakery. And they made this request that forever changed the Collins Street Bakery. They asked if they could send the bakery's fruitcakes as Christmas gifts to their friends all over the world. Despite what Brandy has said about (laughs) fruitcakes, it seemed like the perfect gift. It was delicious, and unlike basically every other baked good, fruitcakes take, like, forever to go bad. So the Collins Street Bakery said yes, and all of a sudden, they found themselves in the mail order business. Do you eat fruitcake? You know, I feel like I had one, like, a million years ago, and I wasn't, like, super into it. Basically, what I've heard is they are really, like, they're a lot of effort to make. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like, you know, if it's that much effort, and I'm not, like, crazy about it, I'm not going to bother, you know? Hmm. Yeah.
0: I, know people, know what, I
1: don't know that a lot of people are making their own fruitcakes, are they? Okay. Kyla's mother-in-law, Rachel... Yeah, She and like their whole extended family, like when they get together for the holidays, they make up a bunch of fruitcakes. Like it's their like fun thing. Mm -hmm. They love them. All right. Brandy. What? I have an idea.
0: (laughs) I'm not eating it.
1: (laughs) Brandy, no, come on. (laughs) No, bonus video idea. We order a deluxe fruitcake because, you know. They have different tiers. We order a deluxe fruitcake from the Collins Street Bakery. We have it delivered. And when all this, you know, I mean, horribleness hopefully ends, then as a bonus video for the Patreon, we eat the fruitcake. I'd do that. Oh, wow. What a brave little soldier. (laughs) I've got another idea for a bonus video. What? We each take a bite of my tumor. No! God! (laughs) You stop that! Oh! Brandy, have you ever eaten a tumor before? Uh, no, I have not. Oh. Well, then you're being prejudiced. To. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'll give you the hairiest uh. bite. Uh. <laughs> uh. Oh. Now, question. If I get a bite with a tooth in it, do I get to spit oh the my, out? Oh, my God, stop. I, can't have, <laughs> I cannot
0: have this conversation.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Why can't we get a Texas pecan cake? That sounds delicious. Are you on their website right now? Yes, I'm on their website. <laughs> okay, well, oh, I wasn't going to say this, but my plan was, because, see, I don't think I'm going to love the fruitcake either. I figured we could order, like, two things, yeah. you know, so we could have the fruitcake, try it, and then also try some of the, you know, stuff yeah, that yeah. sounds a little more appealing. Yeah. Because right. we're going to want to eat something to kind of wash down that tumor. Stop it. <laughs> Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I swear. Am I? No, probably not, but I will
0: vomit right here on this podcast.
1: (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) Don't. If you do it, I'll do it. Okay, okay. Back to the story. So, the Collins Street Bakery said yes to the Ringling Brothers, and all of a sudden, they found themselves in the mail order business. Decades passed. And the business got bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more people called in around the holidays to order fruitcakes that would be sent around the world. It's to the point that now fruitcakes consist of 98% of their business. And every year, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Every year, they send out about one and a half million fruitcakes. Everyone from like, I, I heard that Hilton Hotels has a contract with them, Vanna White loves them, Princess Caroline loves them, you know, it's it's a big thing. These days the bakery is run by a guy named Bob McNutt, which is hilarious. <laughs> his family didn't start the bakery, but his great 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 grandfather, I'm pretty sure I got the right number of greats and some friends, bought it from the original owners in nineteen forty six. So, he's been in the business for a really long time, and he's very well-liked. He's obviously super fucking rich, but he doesn't really flaunt it. He dresses nicely, but, you know, he doesn't have, like, obnoxious labels on his clothes. And he flies on a private jet occasionally, as you do, but he's not going to be, like, some, somebody who, like, brags about that. He doesn't, you know, show it off. Not his style. Mm-hmm. So, people really like... Bob McNutt but one of his employees had a really hard time not envying him and that employee was Sandy Jenkins Sandy Jenkins Sandy Sandy Jenkins started out at the bakery in 1998 as an accounts payable slash payroll supervisor person making 25 grand a year and Sandy was pretty awesome at his job when he started, the bakery was using a manual. Sandy's a dude? Yeah. Okay. Are you not familiar with male Sandys?
0: <laughs> I don't know that many male Sandys now. I'd say I know more female Sandys.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's kind of a Southern thing. No, oh, okay. I think. Right. I think it'd be really hard to be a dude named Sandy. Right? Uh, I think people would assume you were a woman when they hear your name. Yeah, and then they'd, like, beat the shit out of you in elementary school because you <laughs> weren't, <laughs> right? Like, that, that probably, would suck. Yeah. Would they call you, like, dandy sandy or something like that? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, like, the gay jokes would be a flyin', right? Yeah, yeah that's probably true. So the bakery was using this manual accounting system, but when Uh, Sandy got Just for the the record, I've decided that we need to get the cherry fudge pecan cake from this bakery. Wait, is that why you've been so quiet this whole time? You've been, like, looking at cakes? Listen, it's not my fault. (laughs) (laughs) Whose fault is it? Is it the tumor's fault? Because I'm blaming the tumor for a lot of things. It's the baby's fault, for sure. (laughs) 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 Hey... Between the baby and the tumor, we can basically get out of anything we That's don't want right. to do, right? <laughs> exactly right. This is, we've unlocked a whole new superpower in life. <laughs> so, you know, Sandy sees them using this outdated accounting system, and he's like, Hey, guys, welcome to modern times. It's time we use this newfangled device called a computer. So he got them transitioned over to a computerized system. And two years later, he had a fancy new title corporate controller. And he had a thousand dollar antique reproduction desk put in his office and a Picasso print of a wiener dog, you know, like you do. What? (laughs) Sandy was super reliable. He met his deadlines. He didn't make stupid errors. He was just plain good at his job. But he had a tough time in Corsicana because he had a taste for the finer things in life, and every day he encountered people who had so much more than he did. In the like late two e- Wiener dog Picasso, prints? <laughs> yeah, just right next to each other. Didn't occur to him to get a different print, you know. <laughs> so, in the late eighteen hundreds, oil was discovered in Corsicana. And by the mid 1950s, Corsicana had the highest per capita income of any city in Texas, which means that nowadays you've got, you know, people who have low incomes, people who have middle class incomes. And then you've got these people who are super wealthy, super wealthy, and whose families have been like Corsicana royalty for generations. As a result, there were all these exclusive clubs in Corsicana. There was supper club, which, you know, there were like a ton of supper clubs, but you know, you wanted to be in like the best supper club. And there was book club, but again, you wanted to be in the best one, like ones where like somebody has to die for you to get a place in there. And then there was the country club, and Sandy just desperately wanted in. But the truth was, Sandy and Kay didn't have a shot in hell at getting into any of these clubs. Yeah, they didn't have oil money or cattle money, or fruitcake money, you know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they they did jack shit. So Sandy and Kay were middle class. The only thing they had was Sandy's job at the bakery, and Kay had, like, a little catering business. And then they did some volunteer work at the First Baptist Church, where Sandy was a deacon, and Kay helped prepare the food. But, you know, they weren't going to fit in with the VIPs in town. And that's because... People noticed that Kay didn't wear the right brand of flip-flops. What? I'm s- What? That's a true thing. <laughs> what? What's the right brand of flip-flop? So I don't know what the right brand is, but I do know the wrong brand. What was she wearing? So she was wearing this brand, and I, I had never heard of it, so I Googled it. They're called Yellow Box. Oh, yeah, flip-flops. I know Yellow Box. They're like rhinestones and shit on them. Yeah. Yeah, so apparently they're sold at Belk, which is like a, you know... It's a department store. I think you find them more in the South. They're but actually I guess, like expensive flippy floppies, though. Well, evidently not f- expensive enough, Brandy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I guess Kay wore these flip flops, and she wore them in the winter, too, which I'm like, okay, I assume it stays pretty hot. I assume you can kind of get away with that. But anyway, people did not appreciate it. They also noticed that she had never gotten her boobs done. Oh, And uh, had never gotten a tummy tuck, and Mm. that she wore big, shapeless dresses. Mm. So, can't be friends with anybody like that. By the way, Brandy, if you could get a boob job, I think it would really take our friendship to the next level. To the next
0: level? (laughs) We'd be way better friends (laughs) if I got a boob job.
1: (laughs) So... Basically, and this is just... This is the weirdest thing. People generally liked Kay's personality. They thought she was kind of a hoot. But, you know, she just, like, wasn't good enough. And then when it came to Sandy, they just thought he was lame as hell. Really? But... No
0: personality? Poor Sandy. Don't worry. Oh, (laughs) should I not feel bad
1: for Sandy? No. Oh, okay. Here's the thing. Well, Well, we'll get more into it. Okay. So, Sandy and Kay, despite this... They kept up appearances as best they could. Sandy and Kay had the nicest lawn in Corsicana. Just beautiful. And every morning they drank their coffee out of fine china. Everything they had was nice. They maintained everything they owned very well. Sandy drove a Lexus, which he liked, but, you know, it was five years old. Mm. And um, mm. yeah, year old I know. Lexus. Nothing more tragic, if you ask That's me. That's right. <laughs> He loved watches, and he had a Rolex. But, you know, he would have loved more watches. And he'd love to shower Kay with jewels. If he'd had his dream job, he would have run, like, a really classy funeral home. What? But life just hadn't worked out that way. That was his dream job? Yeah, yeah, so he really liked, um... (laughs) He just liked things to be kind dead of people. somber and classy oh, super, and like super into dead people. I mean, maybe, but <laughs> but the, don't worry, this is a light case. So not that into it. But I guess he had and I didn't write this down, but he had a relative who was in the funeral business, and he always thought that would be kind of cool to go into. And so when he was like, you know, kind of like, I assume late teens, early 20s, he mentioned something to his dad about wanting to own a funeral business, and his dad was just like, no, too much risk, you know, you should get a business degree. So, I mean, Sandy just went into accounting.
0: Okay. And that was
1: that. It wasn't his life's passion. It wasn't what he wanted to do, but... I guess he just kind of felt like his dreams had gotten shot down early in life. And, you know, the years go by and he finds himself 55 working as an accountant for the Collins Street Bakery, making 50 grand a year. All right. He felt invisible and he knew he was underpaid. So one day in December of 2004, he decided to do something about it. He stole some petty cash, and he didn't get caught. So then he stole a little more petty cash. (laughs) Oh, oh no, Brandy, he like kicks it up a thousand notches. Say What, it starts embezzling? (laughs) Brandy, buckle up is all I can say. All right, I'm ready. So, you know, he was kind of stunned that he didn't get caught. It had been like so easy. So then he started thinking that he really wanted a new Lexus and you know not even not even really a new Lexus he wasn't greedy he just wanted something new to him so just a couple weeks after he stole the petty cash he drove to Dallas he traded in his Lexus as a down payment on a gold Lexus sedan with beautiful tan interior then really really I know. Golden it doesn't tan, sound...
0: that's the color combination. you went with? I don't
1: like it either. I don't like this was 2004. <laughs> I don't know if that was more in then, but I'm not a fan. <laughs> I'm not a
0: fan either.
1: It kind of, I don't know what it reminds me of, but it's just like, like right. there's no contrast in that. Yeah, it's just exactly. like... It's
0: just beige.
1: Yeah. It's I'm like trying if you show, show how like
0: with it I am and I'm just going all in on the beige.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just like if you got a white person naked in tandem a bit like that's, that's your car. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was a weird way of putting it. but It was a very weird way of putting it. You guys don't criticize me. I have a tumor. So, you know, he gets in this beautiful car and he drove back to Corsicana in his new car, blasting Barbara Streisand the whole way home. Wow.
0: Solid music choice.
1: You think so? Yeah. When he got home, Kay was like... What's with the new car? And he said that it was a gift from the Fishers. You know, he'd he'd done some accounting work for them, and they were so grateful. That they got him a fucking car? (laughs) Tell me she did not believe that. (laughs) So, he tells her this, and he's like, oh, please don't mention this to to them, you know. (laughs) So... Sandy's loving his new wheels, but then a few weeks later, oopsies, the first payment is due on the Lexus. What was a boy to do? I'll tell you what. Steal the payment
0: from the fruitcake company.
1: That's exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) You're getting it. You're catching on real quick, Brandy. So he got into the Collins Street Bakery's accounting software and he wrote up a check for 20 grand, payable to City Card. Then he printed the check and voided it in the system. Then Ooh. <laughs> Yep, clever. But then he wrote another check for 20 grand, but this time he wrote it to a vendor that they did a lot of business with. He printed that check out, but never mailed it. So it would so everything would still balance. Right. Uh huh. Uh-huh, and if you right. looked at it, if you just kind of glanced at it, everything would look legit. What do you think? Um, I mean, you could probably get away with that for a short amount of time. Okay. Okay. This is interesting. How long do you think you could get away with it? Oh gosh.
0: Um. Ugh. Well, it depends. Did they actually owe that okay. company money? Because until that company is like, hey, here's was twenty thousand dollars, and we haven't received it,
1: you could probably get away with it. They did not owe that company $20,000, I don't believe. But, you know, eventually they would probably owe them something like that because it's someone they do business with a ton. All right. Okay. But I'm curious, though. How long do you think? I don't... I mean, if he's the one that's in charge of the books, he could get away with it for quite a while, I feel like. So he's not the only person in accounting. Okay. But he is the only one who can write checks. Like, he... You know, he has like the one computer, the one printer where, like, you know, Bob McNutt's name is automatically signed onto these checks. He's the only one who can print them. He's the only one who can write them up. All right. Which is a perfect system if he's a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible system if he's not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so this scheme worked. And it worked. And it worked. And it worked. <gasps> He stole and stole and stole and stole. This guy was the king of stealing. Someone would have to be paying pretty close attention to catch this kind of thing. And luckily for Sandy, no one paid much attention to him. Pretty soon, Sandy and Kay... So he's like Milton? Yeah, basically. (laughs) He's basically Milton. (laughs) (laughs) But get this. Okay, this this story gets crazy fast. Anyway, okay. So, Sandy and Kay got whole new wardrobes. Sandy started showing up to work in $600 shirts and Gucci shoes. Who the fuck's buying $600 shirts? Like, well, it's not his money he's wasting. Now I get it. <laughs> do you get it, Brandy? Like, if it now was I someone do. else's money, you wouldn't be like, oh, I couldn't possibly spend that on a shirt. So people would be like, oh, wow, nice shirt. And he'd be like, yeah, I got it at Walmart. What? (laughs) They remodeled their kitchen. They joined the country club. They got themselves a wine cellar. Sandy bought a ton of high-end watches. He and Kay spent over a million dollars at Neiman Marcus. Wow, a million dollars? I believe the figure was 1.2 million dollars. Where does Kay think this money's coming from? Okay. Okay. Um. (laughs) Depends who you ask.
0: If you ask
1: me, I think she knew everything. I mean, she may not have known, like, the exact way he was doing it. Yeah. But um, we'll get more into, like, what she knew and didn't know later. But I think she, I mean, Come the fuck on. You're about to hear more about the lifestyle they led. Their Neiman Marcus money was nothing. Nothing. Okay. 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 They were at Neiman Marcus so often that their personal shopper came up with nicknames for them. What were they? She called Kay Cupcake and Sandy Fruitcake. Mm. Hmm. Not that creative. You don't think so?
0: Oh yeah, I think. I mean,
1: what, you give the nickname "fruitcake" to the guy who works at the fruitcake company. <laughs> He's not that creative. They started getting all these spa treatments, and Sandy started straightening his hair because he wanted it. And this is a quote from the article: "Smooth and thick like Bill Clinton's." Interesting. Huh. I mean, if I Google this guy, is is he going to come up? Oh yeah, Sandy Jenkins for sure. But like. Who has ever aspired to have Bill Clinton's hair? I mean, when I think about it, I know that, he, yeah, I mean, he does have good hair. But, like, you're in the biz. Has anyone ever been like, hey, give me the Bill Clinton? No. Exactly. Okay, are you looking at him now? Yeah, I'm looking at him.
0: Yeah, so kind yeah, of a right.
1: short, squat little guy, you know. Okay, don't read too much. I'm not I'm Do- just looking at pictures. I'm not reading anything. Okay, don't make this like when you got on their website and all of a sudden you're wanting to order all the delicious got- <laughs> stuff. We
0: have 100% have to do that video now, by the way.
1: All right. I'm glad. Man, you were you were so against it at first. My goodness. What, what sold you? Was it that chocolate fudgy the whale thing you were talking about? Yeah, I want that chocolate fudge pecan cake thing. Okay, that sounds amazing. Let's do it. <laughs> There's also a salted caramel pecan cake, which sounds pretty good, too. Oh, my God. That's it. We're going to blow all the Patreon money on just a variety (laughs) of cakes. So all of a sudden, Sandy and Kay were the it couple. Everyone was coming to their parties and everyone was getting on chartered flights with them. What? To their new house in Santa Fe, which one article said it was like seven hundred thousand, another one said it was like, you know, six hundred thousand. At any rate, it was a grand old time. They were taking these flights on private jets all over the place. And you tell me Kay didn't know a thing. Bullshit. Well
0: yeah, and what's, where's everybody
1: thinking that money's coming from? Okay. So a couple things. They told people that they inherited money. Well, Sandy told people that he had a very rich cousin and this super rich cousin was the one who was like letting them, you know, borrow his plane or, you know, letting him borrow his cars, you know, all this bullshit, which again, if, I mean, Sandy and Kay had been married for, I think like 30 years at this point. Mm hmm. Can you imagine if your husband of 30 years was all of a sudden like, oh, yeah, I've got a rich cousin who's now letting us fly yeah, on his no, private jet. I don't believe jet. for a
0: second that she thought that that was the case. Right.
1: Right. But how did everyone else? Is that what you're wondering? Yeah. I'm. I'm also blown away by this. I have a theory. And my theory is. That he was very generous with the money. So, you know, Mm -hmm. he'd. So no one questioned too much. Well, you know, it's kind of like, gosh, somebody, you know, like he would have people over and like they'd have like the nicest food, amazing wine. You know, they're taking people on their private jet to their house in Santa Fe. And so it's kind of like, well, who cares where the money's coming from? They say it's from a legit source. I'm not questioning because I'm benefiting from it. Yeah, that's just my personal theory. Yeah, but you know, not everyone was on these private jets with them, so I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. There's so much about this story that I do not understand at all. So you know, Sandy and Kay are living the life, and uh, I think, just my personal opinion, Sandy got a little ballsy because every now and then, you know, he'd want to buy some new jewelry for Kay, but you know, uh, time, you know. We're all so busy these days. So sometimes he'd just have the jeweler and an armed guard come to the bakery and Sandy would like make his selections at work. And where I'm what? With the, his embezzled money? Yeah, at the company he was stealing from, he would have <laughs> he would have the jeweler and an armed guard show up with I I assume a briefcase of jewels. Wow. Some he, Dude had giant balls. Oh, oh my God. A literal quote from this article. They were talking about K, but I think it can apply to both of these folks. Balls of Godzilla (laughs) is what they said. Yeah. This guy would also... He would, you know, he was obviously in the ex- executive offices of this bakery. And you know, every now and then he'd just pop down to kind of the ground floor where they were, you know, just selling baked goods and he'd buy everybody lunch, you know? Yeah. So he was just like he was flashy, really great he- guy. Yeah. What a great guy. And honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm not better than that. If somebody bought me lunch, I'd be like, wow, amazing. I love him forever. Sandy is so nice. Sandy's the best. I know I've ignored him for like the last 10 <laughs> years he's worked here, but he bought me a chicken salad. <laughs> I just think he's a great guy. He also, at one point, and this this is the ballsiest of ballsiness, he went to Bob McNutt's office, and you know Bob and Sandy didn't have like some super buddy buddy relationship, but Sandy starts bragging to Bob about his rich cousin. Who T- I'm sorry, the... did you say to the Bob? Did I say the Bob? <laughs> <laughs> Better than the McNutt, you know. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Because he starts bragging to the Bob. He brags to the Bob, and he's like, look, the Bob, I've got this rich cousin, and he lets me fly around on his private jet. Yep, yep, yep. And, you know, Mm -hmm. then Sandy leaves, and Bob's kind of like, what a weird, like, obnoxious thing to brag about. You know, it just seemed kind of odd. Yeah. So, you know, Sandy and Kay, they, they are living, like, the best life ever, and... Even though people probably should have been more suspicious, it really doesn't seem like anyone was suspicious at all. But things weren't going so great at the Collins Street Bakery, Brandy. Imagine Bob that. Bob McNutt was like, what the hell? Where's <laughs> all his... our money? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So he's like, day to day, it seems like we're doing a ton of business. And, you know, people love the new pecan cakes. But, Okay. I don't believe that they were necessarily losing money every year, but their profit margins just all of a sudden got really thin. And, you know, for a while they blamed the economy, and then they were like, well, okay. That can't be it. We have to be doing something wrong. So they wondered, you know, was it a mistake to open up some brick and mortar stores? You know, maybe we shouldn't have done that. Maybe that's, you know, that was a mistake. Or maybe it had been a mistake to start the world's largest organic pineapple plantation in Costa Rica, Uh, Mm. (laughs) which was something Mm. that they did. And yeah, maybe that was a risk. Who knows? But I saw that their fruitcakes are made with hand-picked pineapple. So (laughs) I mean, you know. Sets them apart from the other fruitcake competitors. That's why they're the best in the biz, brand. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, they're looking at all these things. They're like, you know, maybe this is the reason. Maybe that's the reason. But just to be safe, they audited their payroll and they didn't find anything. They looked at their expenses. You know, were they spending too much? That didn't really seem to be it. Was it possible that someone was like, and okay, this is, this is kind of stupid, but they, they did wonder, like, was someone stealing ingredients? Were they stealing fruitcakes? They no. didn't look
0: at if they were actually stealing any money.
1: Well, okay, I, I do love Katie Vine, this article, because she, she threw a little bit of shade, because by this point, um, I'll, I'll get to how much Sandy was stealing, but he was stealing a shit ton and she was kind of like you know how many fruit cakes would you have to steal to make up for like a million dollars like come yeah. on no one's stealing that much and don't you think you would notice if you like, would they, notice yes. if they had a trench coat full of fruit cakes you know every Absolutely. time they left the store <laughs> but you know by this point sandy had been stealing from the bakery for years and he was kind of a pro he made sure to pull out money when expenses were super high so that it wouldn't raise eyebrows. And it didn't. Obviously. I mean, they didn't, didn't even think to look into it. Okay. There was one time, and I didn't write this part down, where he almost got caught. And this is so infuriating. Okay, so the bakery had a few little side businesses. And so Mm -hmm. there was this woman who was kind of in charge of, like, promoting one of these side businesses. And one day, one of the executives comes up to her and he's like, hey, 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 buddy, friend you've got to stop throwing so much money into promoting this side business. We're not making any money on it. You know, you just spent $23,000 on postage. You can't be doing that. And she was like, whoa. 23... She's like, excuse me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. She was like, $23,000 on postage? I most certainly did not. There's no way I did that. But then, you know, Sandy, of course, offers to look into it. And he's like, no, you know, that's what, that's what it says. And so... I mean, it just sounds to me like they just didn't believe this woman. And if they had believed her Yeah. Uh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe things would have gone differently. But at any rate. Oh. By this point, Sandy and Kay owned a fifty eight thousand dollar Steinway, a forty thousand dollar mattress. What? Yeah. Did you know there was such a thing no, as a 40000 thousand dollar mattress? What the? Who? What is that? Apparently it's made of horse hair. Wait, is that comfortable? I don't, well... I mean, I've only got the $30,000 mattress, so I
0: don't know. (laughs) I got like a $2,000 memory foam. I thought that was like... (laughs) We're in the money. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Norman and I got a Tempur-Pedic this year and we were like, guess we're rich. (laughs) Look how wealthy we are. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't even know you could buy a $40,000 mattress. Okay, this next one will also make you poop yourself. They had a $7,200 cell phone. For what? (laughs) Like, where do you even buy that? I don't know. A $7,000 cell phone? Are you kidding me? Yeah, what even is that? I don't even know. I don't even know. I mean, I assume like he super glued a bunch of diamonds to like an iPhone. I don't know. (laughs) How do you? How does this happen? I have no idea. You
0: know, I, um I've I've stumbled upon an article <laughs> or a what? website of a handmade horsehair beds
1: that are forty nine thousand five hundred dollars. Well, you must have stumbled upon the right place. I mean that seems like you know, inflation extra yeah, nine That's grand. probably exactly
0: right. Each one takes hundred and fifty to hundred and sixty hours to build by hand. Oh my. And is custom made according to each customer's specific wishes.
1: <laughs> well, I would hope so. <laughs> I mean, for 40 grand, it better not be you get what you get and you don't throw a fit, right? Yeah. Oh my Each God. bed carries a
0: personalized brass plaque signed by the master craftsman who
1: made it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What that I is wouldn't weird. give for that brass plaque.
0: <laughs> this is the weirdest thing that I didn't even know existed. Okay. Oh. They got a sale going on 20% off.
1: <laughs> oh, good. Hey, bonus video idea. We buy one of those mattresses and, you know, just fall asleep on it. People watch us sleep. <laughs> we got to act quickly while this thing's still on sale. You know? That's right. I get that 20% off. <laughs> so, you know, by this point, sandy and kate they've quit the first baptist church you know they're too good for that now now they're popping christelle and dom perignon <laughs> no, dom perignon perignon how do you say that tom perignon <laughs> i drink it all the time clearly <laughs> they're spooning caviar into their mouths the article even said what kind but like you know I don't know what kind's good, what kind's bad. I just know caviar equals fancy. Expensive, yes. Yeah. And, you know, they were very graciously giving money to charity, Brandy. hmm They gave to Navarro College. They gave mm-hmm. to the Santa Fe Opera and the local theater. And let me tell you, when Bob McNutt was at these same fundraisers, Sandy got a bit of a kick out of outspending Bob with Bob's With own money. With Bob's money? money? Yeah. yeah. Is that not the shittiest thing? Yes. Are you ready for me to tell you how much he stole? Uh, yeah. Do you have a guess? Uh,
0: Well, it's got to be in the... I don't know. uh, Like 10 million? Okay, not a bad guess. Well, I mean, he spent... A million at Neiman Marcus, right? So, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's also chartering jets and buying $50,000 mattresses. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it's got to be like 10 mil.
1: Okay. So he stole over the course of eight years $114,000 in cash, uh-huh. more than $16 million in checks. Holy shit. Can you believe that? I think it was something like $16.6 million in checks. And how many (laughs) fruitcakes? You know, I don't blame them for thinking someone was walking out with the fruitcakes in their pockets, but that just was not his style. (laughs) Sandy and Kay took 223 trips on private jets and they purchased 38 cars. Wow. Basically, they purchased a new vehicle every time their old one needed an oil change. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yep. Disposable cars? Basically, you know, they just like turn the old one in, get a new one, like you do.
0: Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah, if it's not your money, I mean.
1: Exactly. Wow. Exactly. They were spending Roughly $98,000 a month. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? I don't even know
0: what you would spend $98,000 a month on.
1: Well, that's because we don't even know that $40,000 mattresses <laughs> right. exist. exactly. You know, it's like you've got to unlock a whole new level of living, and then you're like, oh, <laughs> yes. ninety-eight dollars goes pretty fast. So... They'd spent so much at Neiman Marcus that their personal shopper said that she'd run out of things to sell them. Wow. But here's the thing. In December of 2011, the bakery hired this 30-something-year-old accountant named Symmetric Walker. As a new hire, Symmetric noticed fairly quickly that, like, sometimes the check numbers didn't really match up. And so, you know, like a good employee, she went to Sandy and told him about the issue, and he was super reassuring. He was like, oh, this happens all the time. It's just a computer glitch. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Sure
1: it is, Sandy. Here's the funny thing, and I think this is kind of brilliant. So, you know, he says it's a computer glitch, and so, of course, when it started happening again, I mean, it really did seem like, oh, gosh, maybe he was right. It was a computer glitch. This happens all the time. Yeah. But Symmetric if I may, I think was the smartest employee at this whole fucking bakery. And maybe she should own the bakery now because (laughs) she like she heard his excuse and she just was like, okay, but she kept an eye out. And sure enough, in June of 2013, after she'd been working at the bakery for like a year and a half, she discovered a $10,000 check made out to Capital One. And that really didn't make any sense at all, because the bakery, like, had nothing to do with Capital One. She's like, we don't have an account there. You know, we don't do, you know, this, why would we be writing out a check to Capital One? So, Symmetric went to the only person at the Collins Street Bakery who was authorized to write checks, Sandy Jenkins. And she said, Sandy, there's a discrepancy with this, this check. Can you help me understand this? And Sandy went pale. Oh. He was like fidgety. He started getting real weird. And he was like, oh, um, yeah, well, I, I wrote that check because we had to pay a bill to the post office. And I wanted to do it with a credit card because I didn't think a check would go through. What? And That doesn't make some... any
0: sense. No. no. Sandy's okay. told all these amazing lies this whole time and he just folds?
1: <laughs> See, Again, I don't think his lies were that good. I think people just wanted to believe them. But here he is in this situation where, like, Symmetric has no, like, he hasn't given her anything. He hasn't bought her off. So she's just listening to this story and she's like, that makes no sense. No sense. That makes no sense at all. And while they were having this conversation, Sandy printed out another check and was like, here, you know, the books are balanced now. Okay, goodbye. Yeah. By this point, Symmetric was quietly freaking out. Sandy was acting like a total weirdo who was clearly up to something. And who knows, maybe she was in danger because maybe she'd uncovered something big. So she was like, okay, you know, she played it cool. She was like, all right, yeah, I, I gotcha. Sorry, my bad. I'm just gonna go back to my desk now. So she left Sandy's office and she started investigating. She started looking at all the checks that had been voided recently. And in that initial sweep, She discovered that four hundred thousand dollars was missing. Wow. Another article had it like two hundred thousand dollars. But the bottom line is it's kind of funny because she sees this amount and she's like, oh, my gosh, it's a huge amount of money. Like little did she know. Right. But so she was stunned. She didn't know what to do. So she went to lunch and she thought it over. She was scared. Because it seemed natural that she should tell Sandy's boss, Scott. But Scott and Sandy were really good friends. They hung out a ton. Mm -hmm. Maybe it wasn't safe to tell them. Yeah. Plus, Symmetric was still fairly new to the job. And, okay, this is another thing. I don't know, like, the racial makeup of the Collins Street Bakery executive offices, but... I've done some Googling, and if Symmetric is who I think she is, she's, like, this young black woman who had discovered this crazy embezzlement scheme from, like, this old, rich, white guy, and I assume she was dealing with a bunch of other old, rich, white guys. So, like, the power imbalance was off. She's this new employee, and she's discovered something, little does she know, that has been going on for years. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, over the course of that lunch, she decided she had to do the right thing. She had to tell Scott. And luckily, when Symmetric got back to work, Sandy had taken the afternoon off to go look at real estate. So she told Scott, hey, I just discovered this huge embezzlement and now I'm afraid for my life. And so Scott told all the other VIPs and they told Bob McNutt and Bob McNutt said, well, that explains a lot yeah the next day sandy's goose was cooked oh they confronted him this guy was such (laughs) such a shitty liar so they go did you write these checks and he said you ready Uh uh-huh i write the checks for the bakery oh god right
0: (laughs) you've had eight years
1: dude Dude, you've been doing this for eight years. You didn't think of like an excuse or like what you would say if they caught you? Oh my gosh. Uh, this may surprise you, but they fired him on the spot. Uh, good. Did they also call the police? They sure did. And the good. funny thing is, so they called the police and the police start kind of looking into it and they're like, oh boy, we're in over our heads. We need to call the FBI. So the FBI got involved pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, Sandy like hauls back hauls ass back to his house. I almost said hauls back ass to his house, but you get the idea. <laughs> so once he got there, he and Kay sprang into action. They took two of those, um, you know, like those insulated grocery bags from Whole Foods. Yeah. Okay. So they take two of those. They fill them with jewelry, gold bars, watches, gold bars. Oh yeah. You don't keep gold bars at your house? What the hell, No. Brainy? Next thing I know, you're going to tell me you've got a $2,000 mattress. <laughs> I do, and I thought it was very fancy until I heard about this $50,000 mattress. Huh. So they've got these these insulated bags with all this shit, plus $62,500 in cash. Okay. So they haul ass to Austin, Texas, where their adult daughter was living. Apparently, she's some big time chef. I'm not including her name because I feel like, you know, she didn't do anything wrong, but anyway. Road trip to Austin, let's eat at her restaurant. Okay, so they're like, please keep these grocery bags full of valuables. And so I assume like the daughter like puts them in a safe or something. And then Sandy and Kay hauled ass to their house in Santa Fe. But they were kind of like waiting for something to happen. What could they do? Where could they go? They hadn't thought this far ahead. Yeah. Finally, Sandy went back to Austin. He grabbed... Chris, let me pause
0: real quick. Sure. David just pulled up. Okay. Tell him he can come in. Pause momentarily, please. Pause. Hey, you want to tell people
1: Hello. 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 (laughs) Poor David.
0: Gosh. Yeah. yeah. So, like the last time this, when we ran later, whenever he had to come home, yeah, I go in to tell him that we're done, and he's like, Oh, thank God, I have to pee so bad. I was like, Why didn't you pee? <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's trying to be respectful. He's trying to be like good guy David. <laughs> he is. He's a really good guy. <laughs> so, to explain things to people, so I really thought I was feeling okay, not sleep deprived with this fucking tumor. No. Today, I woke up at almost noon. The reason I woke up was because Norman came upstairs to do a pulse check on (laughs) you. Like, he thought the tumor had won the battle. So, you know, I I texted you and I was like, hey, could we delay recording a bit? And you're like, sure. So then we're getting ready to record and I got the fucking hiccups. I was like, oh, geez. So we're recording much later than usual because my body is beautiful, yet problematic. That's right. Mm -hmm. I I would appreciate it if you said that more enthusiastically. So beautiful. It's So, God, oh, beautiful. I can't wait to have all my elective surgeries. You know, I'm going to get some (laughs) implants, some... Have you heard? Okay. This is very intriguing to me. You know, obviously, we can't go for our, our beauty treatments anymore, which for me means that I've got roots that are a mile long. But the fancy ladies who get, like, the fillers and Botox, all of a sudden... Yeah, their faces are melting off. Yeah, their faces are now deflated balloons. That's right. Imagine. And I thought my toes were bad. Uh, Your toes are bad. (laughs) My toes are bad, and I need a pedicure real, real bad. Do you want to tell the people what you said about my toes? You, your toe. you jerk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> your toenail polish has grown out so much you basically have French tips on your toes now.
1: <laughs> Which is true. Those, I mean, God bless us, those of us who got gel pedicures before this whole thing went down. I finally got mine to come off. But I mean, my God.
0: My God.
1: Anyway, shall I get back to this fruit cake yeah, story? Yeah, get back to the fruitcake. Okay. So... Finally, Sandy went back to Austin. You know, he this guy, he just had no clue what to do. He grabbed those whole foods bags, drove out to a lake in downtown Austin, and he just started like scattering twenty two thousand dollar watches what? gold bars like all this stuff he just started like scattering it kind of in this secluded area but not really covering it very well and then i guess the at plan a plan there
0: i, I have
1: that. i have no clue what the plan was <laughs> i assume he thought oh shit you know the jig is up they're probably gonna search my daughter's house for all these valuables they're gonna seize all of them And so I guess he was like, I've got to hide them. But I mean, he really, he did not do a good job hiding this stuff. Obviously.
0: Obviously.
1: And like at a certain point, he just gave up and chucked it all into the lake. Okay. Then he went back to Corsicana. Dude had no plan for when this all went down. It's kind of unbelievable, isn't it? Yes. But at the same time, I think it's also kind of unbelievable that he got away with it for as long as he did. So maybe he was thinking, gosh, if I've stolen 16 million dollars from these people and they haven't realized it yet, do I need do I need a game plan for when this goes south? Maybe. I mean, someone who was interviewed for the article raised an interesting point. He was like, you know, he could have just taken a bunch of money and then, like, invested it in the stock market and like grown it to a certain point. I don't know. Yeah, there's a there's a million different ways this could have gone, but obviously the guy wanted a flashy lifestyle. Yeah, I'm sorry. I think I said fleshy lifestyle, which is disgusting. Real gross. It's disgusting. I'm sorry, <laughs> but it's the probably not even close to the most disgusting thing I've said on this podcast it's today. This is absolutely been a gross episode. not.
0: It's absolutely not the grossest thing you've said on this podcast yeah. today.
1: So. Then he goes back to Corsicana. By this point, it had been over a month since he'd been fired. And he went up to the house and discovered that, oh shit, the locks had been changed. Weird. Imagine that. Yeah. Imagine. (laughs) Uh, So what did he do? He broke into his own home. Excellent. Excellent. P.S. I do not know where Kay was in all of this because five weeks after he was fired, Kay and Sandy separated, and she later filed for divorce, and the reason she listed was fraud. Okay, Kay, come on. I I know. I you knew what was going on the whole time. I I agree. I agree. Okay, and you know what? I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna jump down for a second because I I. I've included a separate thing about Kay because I wasn't really sure where to put it, but I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it now. Hang on. So Kay says she knew nothing. Sandy says Kay knew nothing. Bullshit. But here's the thing. She knew enough to be weird about the money they had. Yep. And she knew enough to lie. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, at one point... <laughs> I just don't buy that at all. No, neither do I. Neither do I. <laughs> so, at one point, she started wearing a $250,000 ring. Okay, can you fucking imagine? She's wearing this honkin' ring, and at one and point... And I only have a $249,000 ring. I know, and it is just <laughs> terrible. It looks so <laughs> cheap. <laughs> so she she's wearing this big honking ring and someone complimented her on it was like oh my gosh you know when'd you get that where'd you get that you know blah 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 and she's like oh oh this is just my engagement ring i've always had this no Uh uh-huh and the person was like (laughs) okay i remember when you guys used to be super poor and uh Yeah. yeah you're telling me you've always had that okay okay then one time when she got a new lexus She got super nervous because it arrived and it was midnight blue, but her old Lexus had been peacock blue, and she didn't want people noticing that she had a new car. Well, okay, so if okay, yeah, so if you're (laughs) if you've got your money a legit way. why yeah, would none you of be these worried. concerns
0: would become yeah, exactly yeah.
1: why would you be worried about people knowing that you've got this new ring or this new car or whatever? Nope, you wouldn't It's all a lie, Kristen then apparently, you know so all of a sudden they start hanging out with these fancier people or whatever At one point, she freaked out some poor socialite because she was like, "Hey, um, what do you do when people ask you how you got your money?" Oh my gosh, yeah." but i've a saved a fucking question to ask exactly exactly and you know how rich people are they don't want to discuss their money they're like no. oh how dare you mm-hmm. yeah i've saved the best for last oh good what do you got laid on me i'm so ready in an email sandy sent to Kay, he said remember you never knew anything oh good i rest my case yeah well i don't
0: I wasn't arguing with you, Kristen. Yeah,
1: no, I know you weren't. <laughs> I just think I think this is just so ridiculous. And yes. And get ready to be more annoyed because here we go. Okay, so like I said, I'm not really sure whether Kay and Sandy were together at this point. It doesn't seem like they were. I don't know where she was. But at any rate, it didn't take long for the FBI to track them down. Mm-hmm. And, of course... The prosecutor was like, "Uh, hey, judge, we think there are for sure a flight risk. These people have, you know, money stashed away everywhere, apparently in a lake. Can we can we make sure that there's like no bail? And the judge was like, sure. Thumbs up, of course. So are you ready to hear how the jewels were discovered that had been so expertly hidden? Yes. Apparently. An off-duty officer in Austin was just, like, at the lake, I assume, like, getting some exercise or whatever, and saw something shiny and was like, what the hell is that? And then discovered, like, these Rolexes and gold bars and jewelry and all kinds of stuff. And so then, you know, they had the dive team come out, you know. So it was discovered pretty quickly. The FBI began seizing assets. And, oh, this kills me. Because I really think you and I would have driven down to Corsicana for this. (laughs) There was an estate sale, Brandy. (gasps) An estate sale. People lined up two hours ahead of time for this estate sale. And Bob McNutt showed up and he was handing out free baked goods to everyone in line.
0: I would have been there in a
1: fucking second. I know. I know. Because, I mean, there was all kinds of crazy shit you could buy at discount prices. We could have <laughs> bought ourselves that mattress and all that. Yeah. <laughs> so Damn it. <laughs> Sandy initially pled not guilty. Which, buddy, come on. Yeah. It always shocks me when people do this, when there's like a mountain of evidence. But, you know... After a two-year investigation, Sandy and Kay both took plea deals. Sandy pled guilty to one count of mail fraud, one count of conspiracy to commit money laundering, and one count of making a false statement to a financial institution, which I think is just rude, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Kay pled guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit money laundering. So, now we're at sentencing. What'd they get? get? Okay. First of all, okay. Okay. So he he did this for eight years. What do you think he got?
0: Oh, I don't have a fucking clue. The
1: financial crimes are sentenced very weirdly to me. I, th- I totally agree. I totally agree. He was sentenced to ten years in prison. Yeah. Kay, are you ready for this? Yeah. Five years of probation. Shut the fuck up. I know. I know. Oh, but she also had to complete a hundred hours of community service and oh, okay, fair then. <laughs> yeah, fair no, that's
0: not to make it even.
1: <laughs> and she had to write a letter of apology to the bakery. Oh my goodness! which You and I have talked about forced apologies before. Forced I mean, apologies. like, yeah. shove it up your butthole, right? I mean, yeah. who cares? Yeah. So obviously. A lot of valuable assets were seized or sold off at the best estate sale that's ever been. So the bakery was able to get some money back. But Kay and Sandy were ordered to pay more than $12 million in restitution for the bakery, which I'm sure the bakery will get any day now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was kind of interesting. So some people who were interviewed for the article were basically like, First of all, they thought that Sandy and Kay both got too little time. But especially for Kay, people were like, man, it's worth it. Steal $16 million and you get five years of probation? She lived it up for eight years. Yes. Yes. And they were even saying, like, even for Sandy, living it up for, like, eight years and you go away for ten, probably less with probation. They were just kind of like, you know... Doesn't seem like too bad a deal. No. If there's a lesson from this, I think it's that white-collar crime is where it's at. White-collar crime pays. (laughs) Yeah. Don't sell pot. You know, God forbid you sell pot, but like embezzle money from your employer. You'll be a-okay in the end.
0: Yeah, no shit. That is the message.
1: So when asked how it was possible that a business didn't notice that $16 million had gone missing, the marketing chief, Bob McNutt said, I know, isn't that McNutt? <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> no, the marketing chief said, Sandy was a friend, a trusted associate. We were operating a 117-year-old business, much like it had always been run. It goes without saying, we've learned our lesson and made the necessary changes to safeguard us from this kind of thing in the future. But when this was going down... Our suspicions fell on everything except our own people. We are obviously far better at making a quality fruitcake than spotting a thief. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) (laughs) So Sandy Jenkins died in March of last year in prison. And there are currently plans for a movie to be made about this story. It'll oh, be, wow, really? Yeah, so I think it sounds amazing. It'll be called Fruitcake, and Will Farrell is playing Sandy Jenkins, and Julianne Moore is playing Kay Jenkins. Excellent. And that's the story about Fruitcake. That was really good. I'm telling you, I read through it, and I was like, God, there's not a lot of court stuff, but it's just such such a crazy story, and I just can't wrap my head around how he was able to do this. Yeah. I mean, I guess it seems pretty simple how he did it, but like, my God, how much money was that bakery bringing in that they didn't notice? Sixteen million dollars walked off? That's what I was gonna say. Their sales have got to be astronomical. Let's add to them. I, <laughs> <laughs> I really, I hope Symmetric, I hope she got the hugest promotion because she saved. Who knows how much she yes. saved them? You know. Yeah. Because Sandy sure as hell wasn't gonna retire anytime soon. Can you imagine? Oh, no. Yeah, kill that cash cow? Absolutely not. Plus, you know, he's making 50 grand. Nothing to sneeze at. That's Nothing another mattress right at. there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. That was really good. I enjoyed that. Thank you. All right. You want to talk about a girlfriend? <laughs> I'm very excited for yours. Mm. Every now and then, you really intrigue me with your intros. Mm, that's the whole goal. Uh huh. Shout out to.
0: Chica Chibi on Twitter. <laughs> okay. For for this case recommendation. Most of this comes from two sources: an episode of 48 hours and an episode of Snapped. All right. All right. Right off the bat's a little bit of a spoiler, but
1: you know, it is what it is. <laughs> 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 I mean, here's the thing. The fact that you're telling the story is a bit of a spoiler, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> You mean you knew something terrible was going to happen? Yeah, yeah i <laughs> i I've started to pick up
0: a vibe. <laughs> One day I'm going to do a case, and it's just like, no, like it's going to be all build up where nothing happens. You'll hate that more than I will. I will hate it so. Much. Yeah, I was going to say that almost
1: <laughs> seems like a cruel joke on yourself. It would be. It would
0: be more a joke on myself than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was October twelfth, two thousand twelve. When a call came into 911 from highland heights kentucky which is essentially a suburb of cincinnati so it's like just over the river into kentucky from cincinnati
1: there's a cincinnati kentucky
0: what no from cincinnati oh god i'm so i was so confused Okay, so Kristen, I thought you'd pick right up on this because it's literally what we fucking have here.
1: No, you're right. Separates two states. Yes. yes, No, I'm totally (laughs) with you now. It's like one big metro area. (laughs) I'm totally with you now. I was just like so. Can we can we blame it on the tumor? I think it's the tumor. I think it's these meds. It's not that I'm stupid.
0: Must be the tumor. But see, okay, so so Kristen, I tell people that I live in a suburb of Kansas City. Yes. But I live in
1: Kansas, which is across the river from Missouri. Hey, Brandy. Yeah. How does it feel to be making fun of a very sick friend? <laughs> huh? Does that feel good to you? Does it? it, feels, it feels pretty good, actually. Wait till, wait till I'm just days away from surgery. <laughs> just, you know... Do you go up to like a little kitten and smack it around? Is that what you do too? make yourself feel real big and
0: powerful? You know, I would never do that ever.
1: Ah. (laughs) Anyway, continue. Hmm. Anyway, okay. So the caller was
0: 21-year-old Shayna Hubers. And at first, she seemed pretty frantic, but was like doing her best to remain calm. Mm -hmm. So here's some snippets from the 911 call. The dispatcher, you know, answers, hello, 911, whatever. And the caller, Shayna, says, ma'am, I killed my boyfriend in self-defense. Whoa. And the dispatcher's like, what did you kill him with? Mm-hmm. And Shayna says, a gun, a loaded gun in the house. Admittedly, she sounds pretty frantic on this call. I've sure. listened to the call many times now in researching this case. Brandy, how many times? <laughs> so many times because I couldn't find a like uh oh god what's the word a transcript of it oh okay, i literally okay. had to like listen yeah, to it, oh, okay, and write it all yeah, out. yeah that takes forever yes. yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> and so the dispatcher says what did you kill him with and she says a gun a loaded gun in the house and the dispatcher says okay tell me where the gun is right now and shana says the gun is in the house i laid it on the bookshelf mm-hmm. and the dispatcher says okay where are you and she says i'm standing about 10 feet from his dead body oh and the dispatcher says, "Okay." She says, "Dead sure? body." Yes, huh. from his dead body. Huh, okay. And the dispatcher has a reaction, much like you did, and says, oh, "Are you sure that he's dead?" Mm-hmm. And Shayna goes, "Yes, he's dead, ma'am. He's completely dead." Yeah. Which that's an interesting distinction. Completely dead. <laughs> um (laughs) all right (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying i think it's a weird thing to say (laughs) yeah by far the least weird thing she says over this whole interview okay okay so and so the dispatcher's like okay um and how long ago did you shoot him in the meantime she's also gotten like address information and all of that yeah crews are on their way and whatever but she says okay how long ago did you shoot him and shana goes i i don't know um 10, 15 minutes, not, not even that long ago. Mm-hmm. That's a long-ass time to wait to call 911. Yeah. yeah. At this point, the dispatcher asks Shayna to identify herself and, and lets her know that officers are on the way. She also informs her that when they get there, that she will need to follow their directions very closely. Obviously, they know that there are loaded weapons in the house at this point, and she will need to comply with their orders um, to get her out of the house safely. Sure. Essentially, you know. Sure.
1: Okay. Don't
0: don't be come out holding a gun, whatever. <laughs> don't be an idiot. So, okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So so Shana confirms that she understands, but then her tone changes Is she white? a bit. Yes, she's white. She'll be fine. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so her tone changes a bit at this point, and she goes to the dispatcher. She goes, "Are they going to arrest me?" And the dispatcher says, "Ma'am, I don't know what they're going to do." Mm-hmm. And Shana says. I mean, I'm not a murderer, ma'am. I just killed him in self-defense. Okay. Okay. And the dispatcher says, okay, well, what happened exactly? Mm -hmm. And it was at this point that Shana told her first version of what had gone on in the apartment that evening. Shana said that she and her boyfriend, Ryan Poston, who was a 29-year-old attorney, they had argued that night and Ryan had broken up with her. Again. They how old very, is she she is 21
1: okay okay not not a fan not a fan not a fan mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. 29 an attorney he's well established she's 21 i assume maybe a student maybe just graduated she had just grad. She actually graduated from college um, and was
0: getting ready to start grad school, I believe, or had just started grad okay. school. She actually she was very smart. Graduated college, got her degree in three years instead of four. Like nice, good student, yeah. whatever. Okay, yeah. Where'd she go? Do you know? Uh, the uh, University of Kentucky, I believe. Shoe size? I don't know.
1: <laughs> I was just like, I realized I threw a question at you that like, you know, would, you know, it'd take quite a lot to just know that off the top of your head. So I wanted to test you, Brandy. That's, and you failed. Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. She had a degree in psychology from the University of Kentucky, I believe. Okay. (laughs) Okay okay so she says that like they had been on again off again for you know a long time whatever Mm -hmm. and tonight she'd come over and he'd broken up with her officially and then they turned into this big argument and she told the dispatcher that Ryan had thrown her around the apartment he'd thrown her into a bookshelf he'd thrown her into the back of the couch and then when she had like refused to leave his apartment he had physically picked her up and removed her from the apartment he either you know like set her down in the hall or threw her into the hall mm-hmm. whatever and once Shayna was in the hall she had demanded that ryan let her back into the apartment so that she could get her things if they were really breaking up like she had you know her person whatever in there right she tells the dispatcher at this point when she came back into the apartment that ryan was standing in front of her holding a loaded gun and it was at that point that she pried it from his hand and shot him with it hmm at this point, the dispatcher asked Shayna if they had had, like, a history of domestic violence in their relationship. And I found Shayna's response kind of odd. She just said, yeah, and then kind of, like, changed the subject quickly. Okay. And so the dispatcher then was like, okay, so are you in need of medical attention? Are you hurt? And she said, no, I was, only, I was just thrown into the couch and stuff. I'm not, I'm not injured. I was just really, really shaken up and very scared. Mm-hmm. But I'm uninjured. The Dispatcher said, OK. And so at that point, the dispatcher turned her attention back to Ryan. And she says, ma'am, are you sure he's not breathing at all? And at this point, Shayna full on breaks down crying like this is the most frantic she sounded on yeah. the call at all. And she says, do I have to touch him? And the hmm. dispatcher's like, no, of course, that's OK. Yeah, And then Shayna says kind of the first thing that seemed odd to the dispatcher. I think she said a couple of odd things so far, but that's my yeah. own personal take. It wasn't until now that the dispatcher thought her response was odd. Because now she says something to the effect of, ma'am, uh, he was twitching and I knew he was going to die and he was making funny noises. So I shot him a couple more times just to kill him. Hmm. And the dispatcher says, I'm sorry, you said you shot him a couple of more times? Yeah, it seems like we graduated away
1: from self-defense there. Uh
0: Uh-huh, yeah. And so the dispatcher's like, how many times did you shoot him total? And she says, I don't know. It wasn't because I wanted to make sure he was dead. I just didn't want him to lay there and twitch. Hmm. And so the dispatcher's like, so you shot him instead of calling 911? And Shayna says... Yeah, I
1: did because I knew he was going to die anyway. Brandy, I don't see why you think this is so weird. First shot was clearly self defense. Second shot was a mercy kill, right? Isn't that isn't that the <laughs> argument she's trying to make? I believe that's the argument. Yeah, she's I, trying d- to make, I yes. don't know, hon. But, but, but there's there's six shots all here in all. Kristen. Good God. Good God.
0: So, at this point the dispatcher let Shayna know that the police were outside the door and that she needed to put the phone down and exit the apartment with her hands up, you know, follow the all, all of the instructions whatever. And for the most part Shayna complied. She did make a bit of a scene as they checked her for weapons and took her into custody. She was like screaming and crying and talking about how she wasn't a murderer and it was self-defense mm-hmm, and blah mm-hmm. blah 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 blah. But ultimately she did as she was instructed and police moved in to secure the scene and they took Shayna to the police station to get, you know, an official statement or start an interrogation, whatever. Right. Upon entering the apartment, the police very quickly located Ryan's body and he was laying on the floor near the dining room table. And Shayna was correct. He was clearly dead. He'd been shot six times in total. Um, a shot to the face. Oh. There was a shot to the head oh. and a shot to the back. And then three additional shots. But Immediately, the scene itself didn't match up with Shayna's version of what had happened that night. The apartment was a mess, but it was a mess in the way of like a bachelor lives here and never cleans up after himself. Gross, okay, yeah. Not in the way of like, hey, there's been a serious struggle here right. tonight where right. someone has been thrown into a bookshelf and a couch and whatever, and people fought over a gun. So, Immediately, investigators were like, okay, we need to know more about the relationship between Ryan Poston and Shayna Hubers. As I mentioned, the two had been together for about 18 months at this part, but it was very on and off. Mm -hmm. They had met essentially through Facebook. So, really? um, Yeah. So, what year was this? Hold on. It's 2000, they met in 2011. Okay, okay. So, Shayna was friends with Ryan's cousin on Facebook. Okay. And Ryan and his cousin hung out a lot. Like, they were they were good friends. And he saw pictures of Shayna on Facebook because of that and asked his cousin, who was a girl. Her name was Carissa. Asked his cousin Carissa. I believe they went to school together. He, she okay. went to school with Shayna. So, mm-hmm. they were acquaintances, but not, like, great friends or anything. Right. Asked if she would make an introduction between the two of them. Right. Even though at that point, Shana was 19 and Ryan was 28 and like already had opened his own law firm. Yeah, I'm not thrilled with that. Yeah, that's great. Not at all. No, I think it's creepy. And so she did it. And like they initially things were pretty good. They hung out pretty regularly, but they lived like 80 miles from each other because Shana was going to school in Lexington, Kentucky at the University of Kentucky, as I mentioned. And then. Ryan was living, essentially, you know, in the Cincinnati area. In Cincinnati,
1: Kentucky, which is a place. Cincinnati, Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Cincinnati, Kentucky. It just it doesn't have what the other Cincinnati has, you know. Not, it doesn't have quite the pizzazz. So...
0: Things were good at first. You know, they had a casual relationship. She came to his apartment on weekends and hung out and they went out to the bars and whatever. They Um, went to the
1: bars. I thought she was 19. Well, yeah, she is 19. She probably had a fake ID, I'm guessing. Okay, now that's your first red flag, dude. You shouldn't have to, like, sneak someone into bars. That's right. Okay. yeah. No joke. I mean, um, I don't want to be it, too harsh to him because he, you know, obviously died a horrible obviously, death. But
0: yes, but I think there's definite problems here. And like, as this relationship continues, he knows that there are problems. Right. She becomes super obsessive. Anytime they have a fight or they break up, she like goes crazy and she apparently has had a history of this since high school according to friends that talked on this 48 hours episode okay. like anytime she broke up with a boyfriend the world was over right you know whatever she needed to get him back and whatever and so very similar behavior I mean it hadn't been that long since she'd been in high school yeah. at this point yeah so yeah whenever they'd have a fight or break up she'd send him like 75 to 100 text messages while he's at work during the day
1: Jesus Christ
0: and he'd, he'd let her send all of these text messages and then somewhere in there he'd say, you know, I'm not even going to read these. Stop sending them. And then at another time, like, as they, you know, they'd get How back together. How terrified would, would be okay you be if someone bit. sent
1: you 75 text messages? Yes! I would well, be to me, it's just the hell
0: out. To me, it just shows a, a vast difference in maturity level. I think, yes, you could see that behavior from a high school girl. And when you're a 30-year-old man with a career in a law firm, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yes, that behavior is very alarming. Yeah. But he continued to, according to his friends, the reason that he continued the relationship was that he didn't know how to let her down or or end things for real. And so it was just easier to keep, like, letting her come back and, like, casually see her. And apparently she was seeing other guys, too, Mm -hmm. but she was convinced that she was going to marry Ryan. Okay. So, this happens, this is like a cycle, you know, this happens multiple times, and at one point he told her that her behavior was reaching restraining order levels. Yeah. Like apparently as a as a lawyer he looked into this to see, you know, if he could get a restraining order mm-hmm. and he didn't meet the requirements. Why not? Because nothing violent had happened. Oh, they didn't cohabitate. Kentucky had yeah. very specific you know, requirements that needed to be met in order for him to be able to get a restraining order and that he didn't meet the requirements. And so I OK, I I don't mean this to be victim blaming. And I, I tell me if this comes off this way. But so he did what he thought was the easier thing. I'll just let her, you know, be in my life from time to time. I'm sure he enjoyed very much sleeping with a 20 year old girl whenever he wanted to. Um, But he didn't take the step and officially end everything and just be like, cut it off. This is it. I'm done.
1: Well, it could also, in fairness to him, it could also be the safer thing. Because absolutely, you know, in an abusive relationship, the time you're in the most danger is when you leave. And so it could be that he sensed that, hey, if I break this off, something horrible is going to happen to me. And so
0: well, and I'm. I mean, that is an excellent point that I hadn't considered because that's exactly what happened. Yeah. yeah. By all accounts, he ended things that night and she killed him.
1: Yeah. People, you know, people get frustrated, you know, looking from the outside in at abusive relationships Mm -hmm. and like, you know, usually the thing people always say is, why does she stay? Why does she stay? But, you know, women can abuse men, too, because, you know, it's the 90s. We can do what we want. Um. (laughs) It's the 90s. (laughs) no but like you know people always say why does she stay why does she stay and you know i think the thing is like you leave when it's safe to leave and that's why so many people you know they break up they get back together they break up get back together so many times and yeah 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 on
0: this night in fact that he was like he ended it officially like that was it this was done like you're not welcome back at my place ever again Shayna had found out that he had a date that night with someone else Mm. Miss Ohio in fact like Uh Miss Ohio yeah and so it seems like that was the thing that really like set her over the edge okay he's telling me it's over he's telling me I have to leave his apartment and he already has a date with someone else so this is for real a beauty
1: queen no less now that would suck that's
0: right Yeah, that would suck. (laughs) (laughs) So it seemed pretty cut and dry to investigators. Like, this is what happened, you know, Mm -hmm. all of that stuff that I just lined out. Like, she knew that this was coming to an end, and, and she lost it and killed him. But they needed to get her version, obviously. They had her 911 call, but they had taken her down to the station that night. And her behavior was just perfect super bizarre not at all what you would expect from someone who had killed her boyfriend in self-defense you know moments earlier Mm -hmm. so they bring her in and they sit her down in an interrogation room and they bring in like a seasoned investigator in and he sits down with her and he's like you know get comfortable we're just gonna we're gonna talk for a little bit you know just you know calm down you know let's just let's just talk through this let's get some information going here and he's like what can i get you do you smoke and she's like i will if i can <laughs> and he's like okay great and he gets up the room to like go get her cigarettes and she makes noises as he's like turned his back to her like she's crying and then of course we know this whole thing is videotaped right mm-hmm. the second he walks out of the room it's done okay that's weird yeah she completely turns it off <sighs> The investigator described it as like like a light switch. The second that door closed and no one was in the room, she stopped the act completely. Mm -hmm. So he comes back in and he he Mirandized her at this point and was like, you know, this is the deal. You have rights. These are your rights. He gives her a form and she's like, yeah, I want an attorney. And he's like, okay, that's totally fine. I can't ask you any questions, so we'll stop talking. What I am going to do is I'm going to just fill out a little bit of a form here. I just need to get your personal information. And then if you could give me the information about your boyfriend, his name. And so she, at some point she seems confused about what he's asking mm-hmm. which, or who he's referring to. And so he says, what's his name? And she goes something to the effect of the man I killed tonight.
1: Oh, wow. And he's like, yep, that's that's who I'm referring to. Was it because she was dating other people? She thought maybe he was talking about another
0: boyfriend? I I don't know. But this investigator was so taken aback by that question. He was like, what the
1: fuck? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a fair reaction.
0: Yes. Yes, the man you killed tonight. That is who I'm referring to. So at this point, he gets her to sign the form saying, you know, I want a lawyer or whatever. And so... He's like, I'm not going to get to ask you any questions. But at this point, they don't really know what to do with her. Mm-hmm. They don't want to book her in yet. And so they know they need to get an attorney to her. But hours go by before all of that stuff can happen. And so they just have her sitting in this interrogation room. And throughout that time, they bring in different police officers just to sit with her. And she can't shut her fucking Wait, mouth. Wait, hold on,
1: hold on. I'm, and I'm sorry. Maybe I skipped this part. But I thought she said yeah. she wanted an attorney. What? Did I did I just miss something?
0: No, she wants an attorney and they're like, great, we'll get you an attorney before you ask you any questions. But they're not just going to release her at that point Mm -hmm. until she gets an attorney and they have to arrange getting her an attorney. So there's a few hours that go by where she's just sitting in this interrogation room. Nobody's asking her any questions, but they do have an officer come in and sit with her. this is each time an officer comes in and sits with her. She tells them a different part of the story. She will not shut her fucking mouth. Hmm. It's not even that she's just talking about what happened. Like, one of the officers that comes in and sits down, she's like, oh, my gosh, you have amazing teeth. Did you have orthodontia? <laughs>
1: that sounds like something you would say, Brandy.
0: <laughs> not that I'm saying in an interrogation room after murdering someone. <laughs> Only one way to
1: find out. <laughs>
0: Okay, so she's just, like, rambling off all kinds of different mm-hmm. stuff. It ends up driving these police officers crazy. They end up having to, like, tag out of the room because none of them wanted to be in there with her. No,
1: they didn't. Like, they wanted to pick up yes. the info.
0: Really? No. And they keep telling her, like, you, you know, we're not asking you any questions. Mm-hmm. She keeps just offering up information. Okay. Huh. And now she tells a completely different story than what she told on the 911 call. Of course. This story that she now tells to some random officer who's sitting in there at some point. She says that they were arguing because Ryan was breaking up with her and he started insulting her and telling her that she was a hillbilly from Kentucky. Oh. And she got so pissed that he would insult her and insult her family that at that point her love turned to hate Mm -hmm. in her words Mm -hmm. And she grabbed a handgun off of the table. Oh, that's new. That he was sitting at. He was sitting at the kitchen table. She was standing. She grabbed the handgun off the table, turned off the safety, Mm -hmm. and shot him.
1: All because he called her a hillbilly from Kentucky?
0: Well, I mean, that was like the final straw. He'd also broken up with her and told her he had a date with a beauty queen and whatever.
1: Okay, okay. Really added up, huh? Yeah. All right.
0: So over this, it's like a three hour period that she's in this room and she's just mm-hmm. offering up little nuggets throughout this time to whoever will listen. She talks about how he threw her up against that bookshelf. They end up taking pictures of her for any marks, mm-hmm. any bruising, any anything. She had nothing. There were no signs that she had had any kind of physical contact well, he with threw him her at against all that the night. Couch.
1: Yeah, the couch, yes, and, the bookshelf, whatever. And a bunch of pillows and yeah. bounce <laughs> and just house. Just a big <laughs> pile of feathers. <laughs> yeah. He pulled out that $40,000 mattress, threw her on that. Yeah, just terrible time.
0: And then she's just, like, asking random questions, too. She asks one officer, what happens if I go to jail? Do they let you shower there, or do you just, like, get really dirty? And the officer's like... Uh yeah, I mean there's there's showers in jail, mm-hmm. and she's like, would I have to shower with other
1: people? Has she never seen a the movie? Like, um, probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh no no, it's real nice. It's like the Four Seasons. You're gonna love it. You won't want shower shoes um, at all.
0: Yeah, and then another point, she asks if she would get to keep her phone. If she got to go to if she had to go to jail.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're like, and your computer and your wardrobe and really (laughs) whatever you want. And you leave when you want and you come back when you want. And uh, whoops. no. Uh Uh-huh.
0: At one point, they like a female officer tags out and a male officer comes in and sits down. And she's like, what are you going to do with me? And the mail officer's like, I don't know. They just told me to come in here and sit with you. <laughs> and she's like, do you guys think I'm crazy? And she, like, starts laughing. Oh, God. And then she talks more about how she shot him. She said, you know, she's talking shit about Ryan at this point, about how he was super vain and all he cared about was how he looked and his appearance and whatever, and how the last good conversation they had before the relationship broke down, he talked about how he wanted a nose job. And so she shot him in the face, right in his nose. She gave him that nose job he'd been wanting. Whoa, no, no, no. And she does like this little
1: smirk afterwards. Okay, she's officially lost me. Uh Uh-huh. Officially lost me. Because the thing is, like, even if she was experiencing abuse in that relationship, even if she, let's say she was the victim in that relationship. Yeah. If you shot the guy, you'd still be shaken up. You know, yes. you, still, you still wouldn't be, like, casual and talking shit, right? I yeah. mean, that doesn't seem... Yes. I know it's dangerous when we get down the slippery slope of, like, this is how you should act when a bad thing happens. I agree. But yes, that seems really weird. And I will just say that it
0: seems that they It's very late in the game, and we'll get there, before anybody can even attempt to cooperate any of her claims of abuse okay so it doesn't seem that it was present in this okay and again let's say that false claims of abuse are extremely rare yeah yeah blanket statement like yes that's extremely rare and no one will know for sure in this case obviously but it doesn't seem that it was present yeah it's just a claim she's making
1: i yeah I, i'm just gonna go out on a limb and say doesn't seem very victimy to be like hmm, i guess i gave him that nose job i guess i gave him that nose job yeah Ugh. Yeah.
0: But the story just evolves this whole time that she's in this room. She's changing little facts, you know, whatever, adding little bits of information here, peppering in little details that didn't previously weren't there. And so finally, like all these police officers get tired of sitting with her because she won't shut up. And so they, <laughs> well, leave, her they in the room leave her by by alone. Well, can't they just leave her alone? I mean, do they have to? So have- they do. They okay. do for a little bit. Okay. They leave her in a room by herself for a while. I don't know if there's like specific rules about how long someone can be left in there unattended. But while no one is in there with her, she stands up and she starts like pirouetting around the room Mm -hmm. and singing Amazing Grace. Mm -hmm. And then she says, I did it. I really did it. Oh, God, this is so weird.
1: And then, Brandy, what the at hell? At another
0: point, she says, "I am such a good actress."
1: For real. For real. For real. This sounds made up. Yeah. Okay.
0: So finally, they decide that they're going to be arresting her mm-hmm. and charging her with murder.
1: Gee. And so surprising because she's such a good actress, you know? Yeah.
0: Finally, the original detective comes in the room and he's like, "Okay, Shana, here's what's going to happen now. I'm going to arrest you and charge you with murder. And her response is, what degree? Mm. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's weird? I think that's super fucking weird.
1: I mean, I guess it all depends. Maybe that would be a question I would ask. I don't know. I can't, I don't know. And so, but
0: in Kentucky, apparently there's not, it's just murder. You're not charged with different degrees. Huh. It's just okay. murder. Okay. And that's what he tells her. She's arrested. She's officially charged. They start looking more into her versions of the stories. And one thing that they can tell for sure is that her claims of being thrown into the bookcase could not possibly be true because Ryan had a lot of guns in the house he was very into guns but on a display on the bookshelf is like different sizes of bullets oh so they would have stacked on end yeah and they Uh were all standing perfectly straight up like he always displayed them yeah they had not fallen over yeah so they move forward towards trial and there's this bond hearing that takes place the defense wants her bond lowered initially she was held on like two million dollars bond and the defense wants this bond lowered and the prosecution once the bond conditions removed completely they want no bond mm-hmm. for her and the defense argues that this is unconstitutional that you must have some sort of bond which i don't know where they landed on on that particular argument okay. but so they do this hearing and this is the first time that Shana herself actually gets on the stand and gives some testimony about this and she talks about you know what she went through that night and why she why she made the decisions she made and blah 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 and this is the first time that they lay out actual evidence in court about what the scene tells them mm-hmm. first of all they talk about that bookshelf how the bullets remained on end so there's no way that version of the story was true they talk about how Shayna had claimed that she'd been picked up and thrown around and hit and all of this that night but she showed no physical signs of any of that they bring in ryan's downstairs neighbors oh to testify And they said they heard gunshots that night. They heard two in quick succession and then a pause Mm -hmm. and four more. But they heard no fighting, Mm -hmm. no like thudding on the floor, nothing like that. And they were asked, you know, like, do you think that you could have heard that? And they're like, yeah, if somebody walks heavy up there, you hear Mm -hmm. it. Like They're an upstairs neighbor. Yep. They were also asked if they heard shouting regularly in the condo and they said never we never heard anything like that Mm -hmm. but one of the big things was they talked about kentucky stand your ground law so the defense says like the kentucky stand your ground law says that you don't have to stop shooting because the threat is done so that was the prosecution's argument if this was true Mm -hmm. if this was a Mm -hmm. domestic violence thing Self defense. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. If this was self defense, then she should have taken that initial shot and then called 911. Right. But instead, she shot him until she was sure he was dead. And so that was a big argument for the defense, too. They're like, you know, the Kentucky Stand Your Ground law doesn't say that's true. A person does not have a duty to retreat prior to the use of deadly force. Hmm. But the prosecution argued that that law doesn't matter at all here because Ryan was in his own home. She entered his home. Exactly. And she admitted to removing the safety, turning the safety off on the gun, which shows premeditation. The biggest thing that happened in this pretrial hearing was that a recorded phone call from jail was played where I believe Shana was talking to her mother where she said that if she got out on bond, she'd run. She'd leave the state. Is she
1: dumber than a box of rocks? I know.
0: I, well, well, she's 21 or whatever, but... I mean, yeah. come
1: on, though. Come on. Yeah. Let's not insult 21-year-olds. I mean, surely surely, people have got to know those phone calls are recorded.
0: Yeah. So one of the things that they asked her was, what do you think would have happened if you had stopped shooting After the initial shot or after the initial two shots, because those were a shot in such quick succession. And she said, I knew he'd get up. He'd hurt me. He'd shoot me. Apparently, in this situation, too, it's common to have like a character witness testify for you about like the likelihood of you showing up for court and everything like that. Yeah. And so Sharon's mom testified. She talked about what a good girl Shana is. She said, this whole thing's been horrible. You know, she's been portrayed as an obsessive girlfriend, a liar, a murderer, Mm -hmm. but she grew up in the church.
1: Oh, well, (laughs) no (laughs) weirdos come out of
0: there. (laughs) That's right. She's far from evil. She has a heart of gold. She's like her mommy. Ew. Yeah. She's great
1: because she's just like me. I mean, come on. But also, I mean, your mom's your character witness. Come on. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Ultimately, the judge kind of split somewhere in the middle. He reduced the bond to one point five million, but obviously they couldn't afford that. And so she remained in jail until her trial, which started in April of 2015, which was two and a half years after she shot Ryan Poston. Obviously, the prosecution's case was what we've talked about, that she was obsessed with Ryan. And that night she saw her life with him being taken away and she lost it. And she she made the decision to kill him because if she couldn't have him, no one else could. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't going to be able to just dismiss her like that. And the defense's claim was what she had claimed from that very first word on the 911 call. It was self-defense. The prosecutor told the jury that the only person whose life was in danger on October 12th, 2012 was Ryan Poston. And they played in almost its entirety all of the videos of Shayna in that interrogation room Ooh. from that night. Yeah, they played the portion where she said, my love turned to hate and I picked up the gun and killed him Mm-hmm. They brought in a forensic expert who talked about the positioning of Ryan's body and the blood that was like on the kitchen table. So even still, when Shana was changing her story, she still was maintaining that Ryan had been coming at her. Mm -hmm. But this forensic expert testified that Ryan was never in a standing position.
1: He was
0: sitting at the table when he was initially shot, and the subsequent shots were fired at him when he was in the process of falling out of a chair and landing on the floor. Yeah. And she had gotten very close to him to take those shots. She'd walked around to the table, and she'd shot him from the front, from the back, from the top, and blood had made it onto the gun, which means she was standing in very close range. Yeah when she shot him. Another expert also said that Ryan was alive for all six of the shots, essentially. There was bruising around all of them. So at any point, she could have stopped and gotten him help, and she chose not to. Mm. A big thing that came out at trial that was brought up by the prosecution is that Ryan had tried to end the argument that night. And they had proof of it from Shayna's search history on her what? phone. What? At some point, when the argument had escalated, Ryan had locked himself in his bedroom and told Shayna to leave. Yeah. And she had then Googled how to pick a bedroom lock. Oh my God. And had apparently done it. Oh.
1: This poor guy. She had
0: gone back in and broken into his bedroom and continued the fight. Oh, this is terrifying. It really is. And it was somewhere when that had all escalated that he moved to the dining room. He sat down at the table and basically was like, I'm not going to do this with you. I'm done. You know, this is it. And that's when she took that gun off the table and killed him. Mm-hmm. The defense tried to contest some of that forensic evidence. They actually brought in the actual table from ryan's apartment it was blood stained and they tried to do like a demonstration about how it could have happened how he could have been like leaping across the table at her and and that could have accounted for the way the blood stains Mm -hmm. line up on the table Mm -hmm. but the prosecution was able to tear this down pretty quickly and they showed a much better demonstration that lined up with the evidence in a much more concise way okay
1: they were like, "Hey, well, you've got the table out. Let's show you something that makes more sense." Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: And then some particularly damning evidence came from some women that Shayna had talked to in her time in jail. Because now, as we know, Shayna didn't keep her fucking mouth closed. Yeah. So they call these three women who all had been housed with Shayna at different points. One of them was like her current cellmate. One of them had been like when she was originally in holding, had been in holding with her. And they all told very similar stories. And none of them, by any accounts, knew each other. So the fact that they were all corroborating the same information Mm -hmm. was pretty good. Again, they were convicted felons. And so there is obviously some question about the motives about that. But... They all on the stand said they weren't receiving anything in exchange for their testimony. But the one who was her current cellmate said that Shayna had told her that she was the aggressor that night. That was what had really happened. The prosecutor, while she was on the stand, said, did she talk to you at all about what she thought was going to happen when she came to court? And all three of them had kind of a similar story. They said that she had originally planned to plead guilty Mm -hmm. and then she decided that she was too smart because she has the IQ of Einstein (laughs) and so since that wouldn't work she was going to plead the battered wife syndrome Uh and say that he beat her when these women were asked about you know if she expressed any emotion or if she seemed to have any remorse they all had the same answer no that she really liked to play up the victim role but admitted that that was all acting Hmm. There wasn't a lot the defense could offer other than, you know, the story about self-defense and all of that. Shayna did not testify in her own defense. That's wise.
1: Maybe it was she was very is wise. As smart as it was
0: very wise, yes. But in closing arguments, the defense did the best they could. They basically mocked the prosecution's claim mm-hmm. about Shayna being this obsessed girlfriend. They said, so she keeps calling her boyfriend and he can't get rid of her. So she's a murderer. She keeps hounding him with texts and emails. And so, of course, that makes her a murderer. Are you guys buying that? That's what he says to the jury.
1: Uh, Yeah, we are, sir. Uh, (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And the prosecution ended by saying, basically, you know, the evidence in this does not lie. The defendant has done nothing but lie. Hmm. they said she has showed us that she is a liar she has showed us that she is a manipulator and more importantly she has showed us that on october 12 2012 she was a murderer the case went to the jury on april 23rd around six thirty p.m and five hours later they came back with a verdict what do you think they found guilty as hell Yes, they found her guilty. As hell. (laughs) As hell. (laughs) During the sentencing phase, her lawyer asked the jury for lenience. They said that her accomplishments and good deeds in life should not be ignored. What? Because she graduated college
1: Uh, in three years? In three years, yeah. I mean, honey, You're come on. Take some time off for murder for that, well, right? I really disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good for you—you you uh, saved some money, but I don't know that that gets you <laughs> out of prison. Uh,
0: one of Ryan's sisters gave a victim impact statement and said, "He made us complete. Without him, there's always a chair that is going to be empty. He will never be able to get married." He'll never be able to have kids. He'll never be able to go to his kids' baseball games. He'll never be able to have all the things he deserved to have in this life. Hmm. The jury only deliberated for about an hour before they made a recommendation on sentencing. They recommended that she be sentenced to 40 years. Yeah. There was one more phase of this sentencing, which I was not familiar with. So once that sentence comes through, once the sentencing recommendation comes through in Kentucky, and I don't know how common this is, the defense could then enter a new phase where they try to reduce the amount of that that has to be served before she will become eligible for parole by proving that she was a victim of domestic violence. That's interesting. So... Once the jury recommended their 40 years, then everybody was back in court for this new hearing where the defense was trying to get that sentence or that get her parole eligibility reduced. Because under that, it would have been like 34 years before she would have been eligible. And so at this hearing, by Kentucky law to prove domestic violence, the defense must prove that the two lived together. That is specifically in the definition. Well, that's kind of
1: stupid. But... It is it is kind of stupid. Because you can still, I mean, <laughs> you can still experience yeah. domestic violence if you're not living together. Yeah. Okay.
0: But unfortunately for the defense, they had in Shayna's own words when she's filling out that initial mm-hmm. paperwork when she's in the interrogation room, that they don't live together. Right. She gives like that police officer his address and he's like, okay, is that your address? And she says, no, we don't live together. I live in Lexington and gives her apartment address in Lexington. Yeah. So... The defense tried to counteract that by showing some texts in court where Shana said she was cooking dinner at Ryan's house. But (laughs) yeah, yeah.
1: at Ryan's house, not at my house.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so that didn't do any good. And the judge ended up sentencing her to the 40 years that the jury recommended. The defense You know, had done their best. They actually this is the very first time that they brought any kind of witness who claimed to have ever witnessed any kind of domestic violence. And it was some neighbor of Ryan's that said one day she had come and knocked on her door that Shana had come and knocked on this neighbor's door and said that she was afraid to go back into Ryan's apartment because he'd hit her on the arm and showed her that her arm was red. Wow. But the prosecution brought forward that same cellmate who testified at the original phase of the trial and said that Shana had told her all about that incident and that she had inflicted those marks oh, on herself. Good grief. Yes. Ugh, I hate this. Oh yeah. Anyway, Shana gets sentenced to 40 years. She's devastated. She cries, whatever. Her mom can't believe it. She'll never accept that her, daughter was anything but a victim in this situation she said i'll draw my last breath helping that baby she doesn't deserve this she's done nothing wrong Hmm. i get you know it's your daughter and whatever but of course i mean i don't know how you hear these facts and think she did nothing wrong
1: yeah that's a tough one but yeah. you'll find out when you become a mother next I, month i guess i will i
0: guess i will uh, but this is not over this is
1: crazy
0: Shayna's conviction no. was overturned no why because a juror failed to disclose that he was a felon oh my god so the juror was a felon for apparently unpaid child support. Oh, no, he claims that he didn't know he was a felon. Oh, give me a that when he pled guilty to whatever for the unpaid child support that he didn't realize that made him a felon. Mm. So the whole thing has to take place again. Oh, this is insane. No, she gets a whole yeah. And She gets a whole new trial starts in August of 2018. The prosecution
1: puts on. I'm sorry, the exact when they ask case. if you're a felon, is that really the honor system? Do they not like run I don't, you through I, the you, system? You think they'd like look into that a little bit, right? This is so expensive for the state to go. Yeah. Through. Ugh. Ugh. Uh. Okay. Yeah.
0: Apparently not, okay. because this dude didn't know he was a felon, didn't disclose it. Whatever. Okay. So new trial. It's August of 2018. Prosecution's case exactly the sure. same they don't change anything mm. but this time she's got a whole new defense team and a whole new defense turns out okay maybe there wasn't we can't prove that there was all this like domestic violence stuff going on but you know what was going on what kinky sex and <gasps> Shayna complied with it against her will what <laughs> yes well, you see uh, what <laughs> You see Shayna couldn't reach orgasm when they had sex and this was very upsetting to Ryan.
1: This is all I'm so embarrassed. Happening I'm
0: so embarrassed. On the stand. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so he told her that this was super unattractive to him mm-hmm. and so she just complied with whatever he wanted sexually to try and make up for it.
1: That doesn't really make sense, though. And that though, was the because, abuse that she was subjected to. Because, like, if to. he's upset that she's not having an orgasm, wouldn't he be wanting to figure out what she likes? Yeah, you would sure think so. Okay.
0: So she, this time, takes the stand. <laughs> <laughs> To talk about all of this kinky sex stuff and how rough it sometimes was and how it was painful and she didn't want to do it or didn't know how not to do Uh it. And she often felt humiliated and how it was super degrading and blah, blah, blah. So important to note during this time, Mm -hmm. she is able to recall specific dates of events when this sex took place. That's convenient. Mm hmm. Yes, very convenient, years later, to be able to remember these very specific dates. (sighs) Somehow, when she's questioned about the 911 call, though, Uh on cross-examination and how she changed her story from the 911 call to her statement to the police, she tells the prosecutor, you know what? After all these years, I really don't remember the 911 call. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so the prosecutor goes, "Uh uh-huh. But you remember every other detail. Every other detail of a relationship that started in 2011, mm-hmm. the prosecutor says, in fact, you have often described Ryan to your friends as being calm, didn't you? So she's trying to point out inconsistencies right, right. in her story here. And Shayna's like, well, yeah, he could be calm at times. And the prosecutor says, you told them that he was patient and kind. And Shayna says, well, he was sometimes patient and kind mm-hmm. and nice. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he wasn't. And the prosecutor said, so do you want to tell the jury what you told your friends, that you were a willing participant in the kinky sex? Isn't it true that you told multiple friends how it was the best sex of your life? And Shayna said, I'm sure I said that. And the prosecutor said that you told your friends that the way he looked at you was unreal. You said that and Shayna says I mean I'll I'll take your word for it I don't remember. So this I... bold defense strategy yeah. did not work any better. The jury deliberated for 5 hours. Again, they found Shayna guilty of murder and for a second time we entered a sentencing phase. And again, Ryan's sister got up and made a victim impact statement. This statement, oh, I think this is the most powerful statement. She got up on the stand and she was holding a teddy bear. She said, this is Ryan's shirt. So the bear was made out of a shirt Mm. of Ryan's. And then she pulled a string on the bear's back. And it played a recording of Ryan's voicemail message. It says, you've reached attorney Ryan Poston. I'm sorry, I'm unavailable right now. If you could leave a message, I'll call you back as soon as possible. Thank you. And Katie looked at the jury and said, that's it. That's all we have of him. A voicemail. Mm. I think that's That's super powerful. Oh, it's so sad. (sighs) Shayna's mother also made a statement, a plea for leniency to the jury, Mm -hmm. and it pisses me off so fucking bad. (laughs) She said... My child's life has also been
1: taken. Okay. Her family also grieves. Okay.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. Her family also grieves. I'm not lessening or taking away from or trying to say that I don't understand the grief of this family.
1: Because I do. Uh, no, you don't. Fuck right no, off. No, you don't. You clearly don't. You clearly do not. Is this the Grief Olympics? Are you trying to compete right. for the gold here? <laughs> Give me a break. So this
0: new trial uh, definitely backfired for Shana because this time the jury recommended a life
1: sentence. (laughs) Man, they really didn't give a shit about the kinky sex, huh? They sure did not. I have have a question. Just jumping back. Okay, this whole kinky sex stuff. Was it her position that she was being raped? Like, did she say, you know, I fought against him? No, not that he raped her, but that she... Went along with it, even though she didn't really
0: want to because she thought that that was what she was supposed to do. So that was supposed to be like demonstrate the control he had over her, I guess. Okay. She never claimed that she told him she didn't want to do it. She said she did it and that she was a participant in it, but that it wasn't what she would have chosen and she felt degraded by it. Okay.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: So the judge upheld the jury's recommendation to a life sentence. And with that, Shana will become eligible for parole after 17 years. She will be 44 years old. Wow. Ryan's stepdad said, this is justice. This is what this is all about. There's never going to be closure, but at least we don't have to walk through that door again. Yeah.
1: That's true. Yeah. I think closure is kind of bullshit.
0: Oh, yeah, it definitely is. It doesn't really ever happen, does it?
1: I you know, and I've never been through anything like this, but I just I can't imagine that there ever becomes a time when you're like, yeah, that's fine. That's fine that that happens. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that never happens. Yeah. yeah. That's the story of Shayna Huber Hubers. Okay, I've got to um, do, do some I Googling. think she's. Okay. She's beautiful and he is a very handsome man. Like she's super beautiful. Like they were a beautiful couple. Okay, Shayna Hubers. All right. Oh, she is cute. Yeah. So they likened this case. A lot of people compare it to Jodi
1: Arias. Oh, he was hot as hell. Yeah. He's super good looking. Yeah. They made a beautiful couple. Yeah. So yeah. they compared it to Jodi Arias?
0: Jodi Arias because she was, you know, so obsessed with this and then tried after she clearly murdered him, tried to make some claim that he was abusive the whole time or whatever and that it was all self-defense.
1: Hmm. Okay, I've got to quit. I've got to quit looking at all these photos. Quit looking at
0: everything. <laughs> yeah, I I surprisingly had never heard of this case. So thank you to Chica Chibi on Twitter for this recommendation is a case that was made for you really oh it's a super me
1: case (laughs) it definitely is (laughs) oh gosh his sister's beautiful too i just found the picture of her with the Uh
0: uh-huh yeah (sighs) so what do you think do you think that that was a that she lied the whole time do you think she intended to kill him yeah
1: i it sounds like she was the abuser and he was the victim i agree the fact that he tried to remove
0: himself from the situation in his own apartment and locked himself in his bedroom and told her to leave to me it's like that's that's all the evidence you
1: need and then if you need more there's a mountain of it exactly (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, terrifying.
0: She made some comment, and I left it out because there were plenty of weird comments that she made in that initial interrogation video. She made a comment, like, laughing about how no one was ever going to marry her if they found out she murdered her boyfriend in self-defense.
1: That's what she's focused on? Yes. Yes.
0: So, along with that, she did get married in prison, to a fellow inmate, but she has since gotten divorced, so wah-wah, didn't work out for her.
1: To a fellow inmate, like to to a man, to like another woman in the prison, like what, what's the deal? Um, so the details are a little bit odd. It is
0: a, uh the person was convicted as a man, but now identifies as a oh, woman. Oh, okay. So I don't know if that means that they were in the same prison or what, but they got married in prison, but they divorced less than a year later. Well it'll happen i really tried to find more on that because i thought it was very interesting but there's really not much i mean hopefully if you've transitioned (laughs) i feel like it would be really dangerous to be in a men's prison i agree i agree so i'm assuming that because that person has trans yeah has transitioned that they are now in uh
1: in a female prison. man oh man what a story that was terrible thanks a lot No problem. <laughs> uh, well, poor David. We probably shouldn't do questions because I don't want that poor young man to be trapped in his bedroom any longer than he has to.
0: Yes, be.
1: he's behaving wonderfully. <laughs> he's just quiet as a mouse. Really? Because I heard he like got mad and like peed on the front porch. <laughs> that was Oliver. <laughs> do you want to tell
0: that story? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so we had to order more cards for the Patreon. And so, like, I did a porch drop-off to you for you to sign right. them. And then you
1: came and did a porch drop-off for me after you Don't worry, them. guys. So, like, I didn't we were, drive. You, Norman drove me. I'm on painkillers. Don't yes, worry. Yes,
0: exactly. So so you stood in the driveway and I sat on the porch and we talked for a little bit. You know, we maintained social distancing or whatever. But I let Oliver out while you guys were standing in my driveway because you're his favorite people on Naturally. the planet. Uh, <laughs> and... <laughs> So he was very excited to see you and Norm, and he came down, and you guys fed him or whatever. And then he stood on the porch, and I don't know if he was mad or what, he peed on the front porch, which he's never done. It was the and weirdest then he thing. he seemed pretty embarrassed about himself, like about his
1: behavior. <laughs> okay, so as we were driving away, Norm was like, man, what a power move. I was intimidated on <laughs> me. It was such strange behavior. I mean, he just like looked us in the eye. Was like, "This is my porch. Yeah, this is my porch. Glad you guys came to visit, but you know, social distancing. You know, I'm going to mark this right here." Oh my gosh, it's very bizarre. Well, on that note, on the note of dog piss, why don't we move on to Supreme Court inductions? Let's do it. Do you want to tell people how to get? I do. I'm itching to tell them, you guys. Like I said, my dying wish is that you join our Patreon at the Supreme Court level. And once you get to that level, you get all kinds of goodies. You get a sticker. You get a card with our lovely autographs that Oliver has not peed on. You get bonus episodes. You get bonus videos. You get into the Discord and you get inducted on this podcast. And this week, we are doing names and favorite books. Jez. The entirety of the Harry Potter series. Courtney ends. The Program Series by Suzanne Young Erica Serena by Ron Rash Megan The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald Jill Idiot (laughs) (laughs) No author, so I don't know if that's just an insult or what (laughs) Katie, or Kay Burns if you're nasty Lies My Teacher Told Me Caitlin M. The Cormoran Strike Series by Robert Galbraith. Galbraith. Ah, how do you say that? I know it's the fake name for J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Robert- uh, Gal- Galbraith, right? I Galbraith? I don't know. I don't know. Close enough.
0: Yeah. Potato, potato. Okay. <laughs> uh, Samson Perry.
1: Warriors by Aaron Hunter. Kayla. Velocity by Dean Koontz. Allison Sterling. The Harry Potter Series. LLP, The Cradle Will Fall by Mary Higgins Clark.
0: Um, okay, what? That's LLP. Like, so we call so London's initials will be LLP. Uh-huh. So that's like what we call her when we refer to her sometimes. I like that. Are you feeling a little weird now? I am. <laughs> <laughs> My unborn baby is in the. It's a patron. And her favorite book <laughs> is The Cradle Will
1: Fall. Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! True. <Roo. laughs> Ashley M. The Husband's Secret by Leanne Moriarty. Welcome to the Supreme Court.
0: Welcome, guys. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate it so much. If you're looking for other ways to support <laughs> us, please find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, and of course, Patreon. <laughs> Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and then head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. I'm sorry for all the and weird then, giggles. You know, oh, God, I, I feel...
1: keep cutting you off with my weird giggles. What, I'm sorry. what do you I don't want to know. say? I'm, I'm, what do you want to no, say? No, I, I laughed, and then I felt weird, and then I started to say something, and then I felt weird. <laughs> I think our mics are cutting off enough that, like, you it sounded like you had just not talked at all. So, anyway, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh. I'm being weird. Continue. Continue. <laughs> you're be
0: telling me. hey if you guys aren't doing anything next week maybe uh maybe join us for another
1: episode maybe what are you talking about we definitely yeah. <laughs> join us for another episode damn it we'll know if you don't join us yeah. be sure to join us next week when we'll be experts on two whole new topics podcast adjourned And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web, and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. I got my info from a fantastic article by Katie Vine for Texas Monthly titled Just Desserts, The FBI, The Corsicana Daily Sun, and The Star-Telegram. I got my info from an episode of Snapped, an episode of 48 Hours, and Wikipedia. For a full list of our sources, visit lgtcpodcast.com. Any
0: errors are, of course, ours, but please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff.
1: All right. Killed it. (laughs) All right.